0: Here we are. Uh, this, is, this is what we call Palm Sunday, because this is the, the Sunday that, you know, where Jesus came into Jerusalem. And he came in this time, he'd been there before, but he came in this time not trying to disguise or hide or dissuade people of who he was. He wanted to openly declare that he was the Messiah, he wanted to openly declare that he is the Savior. He wanted to openly declare that he is the Son of God. I want to openly declare that this, I'm having an issue with this ear thing here. Oh, by the way, before I forget, if you go over to the coffee shop, if you go to the coffee shop and you look at your right, you'll see all the bread that we have. It's, and it's all sitting on a really super contemporary table. I want to, it's really nice. I want to thank George. For building that, he did it. Uh, I just said I showed him a picture. He said, "Do you think you can do this?" He said, "Well, I've never done that before." Came back and it looks better than the picture. It's awesome. So, uh, if you see him, uh, would you congratulate George? Tell him he did a good job. Now, and it has wheels on it. That is so cool. I like that. So, so anyway, here's Jesus, and, and Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. Now, now Jesus knows. That this is his time. You know, see, there's nothing like when when you've, you've been waiting for something when that day finally arrives. You ever been there? You know, like when you're a kid and Christmas Day finally gets there, or or, or your promise to go to Disneyland or, or wherever. I I remember when my uh, you know when my middle daughter was born, well, all of them for that matter. Uh, there 's an excitement about the day that, that they 're going to be there, because unlike a lot of children, mine they had you know they had to make sure that they, they weren 't going to come out by themselves, so they had to uh, set a time to go in and so so Nancy, uh I remember that, that day and, and Nancy went in and, and then they started inducing labor and, and it was really cool because when, when uh, Lauren was born they just come out with with all the machines and gadgets and they allowed dads to be in the room so I could watch the screen and I could tell when a contraction was going to happen and being the dutiful husband I am I would point that out to Nancy I said hey babe looks like a big one's gonna happen and after about three times she grabbed my hand and I could feel all of the bones in my hand about to break. And she said, don't tell me again. So I learned. I, I learned that, that there is some excitement about those days that happen. And there's some pain that comes with, that, with those days that you're looking forward to when that day finally comes. And here's Jesus. He knows that this time has come. And with anticipation, Jesus is making his way to his destiny. Hebrews 12, 2 says this, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, its scorning and shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, I don't know about you, but if I knew that, that my destiny was to, to be ridiculed, to go through a sham trial, to have a crown of thorns placed on me, to be beat with 39 stripes, to, be, to carry my cross up a hill, and to be crucified and die in, in a torturous manner, I don't think I would use the term joy. But Jesus said, for the joy set before him. He wasn't looking forward to being crucified. He wasn't looking forward to that crown of thorns. But what Jesus was looking forward to was fulfilling the will of his father. Fulfilling his destiny, knowing that on the other side of the pain and other side of the sorrow, there was going to be a victory like no other, because his obedience to the will of the Father was going to produce great joy. For the joy set before him on the other side of Calvary, on the other side of death, He endured the cross and despised the shame. Here's Jesus no more hiding his identity and mission. He had to hide it before because uh, if he didn't want it to happen, he didn't want the Pharisees to crucify him before his time. He He wanted to make sure that at the appropriate time, at Passover, that everything would follow the will of his Father. But now here's Jesus and he is looking and he is saying, I'm ready to be seen as king. I'm ready to be seen as Messiah. I am ready to be seen as Lord. And he is going to make his way into, into Jerusalem. He is preparing for his entrance. You know, there is a, we, we today are, are not waiting for Jesus to come into Jerusalem, but we are waiting for his return. I hope you're waiting for his return. I don't know about you, but I I get excited about the Lord's return. Man, I get excited about the fact that He is going to come. He's going to split the clouds. That trumpet's going to sound. And and you know what? Uh, uh, The trumpet's never been my favorite instrument. But at that moment, it's going to be the very best I've ever heard in my entire life. And I'm going to rise to meet the Lord in the air. We're going to be transformed. We're going to spend the marriage supper of the Lamb with Christ and he's going to come back for his church then after the millennia he's going to come back with his church we're going to get to see an angel pick up the devil and throw him into a bottomless pit we're going to get to rule and reign with Christ forever I get excited about that and there's a couple of things that need to happen And, and the same Things that need to happen for the Lord to return are the same things that needed to happen when Jesus entered Jerusalem, and I want to talk about those things. I want to talk to you about that blessing of obedience, being obedient to the Lord. Have you ever been disobedient to the Lord? I found out the other the other day that it, it's uh, N- Jessica was in a class and and it's. Uh, and it's on uh, different cultures and ethnicities, and and uh, so she has she has uh, I don't know a variety of different ethnical groups in the class, and they were talking about how moms discipline. I remember uh, teaching school in California, and I had I don't know I always had twelve to fifteen different nationalities in. And every time we'd get on that topic of how mom's disciplined, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And, and Jessica learned the other day that that there is a variety of different ways. But here, here's, here's Jesus, and, and, and Jesus is getting ready. He's setting the stage for his triumphal entry. And, and if you want to read the scripture with me again, I would finish that story, but I just... Completely sawed myself off right on that limb, and I had no—I have no idea where I was going with it. So, if you'll forgive me on that, later on in the sermon, it's going to come back to me, and I will finish it for you. Uh, after Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. And as he approached Beth- Bethphage and, and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples. Saying to them, go to the village ahead of you and as you enter it you will find a colt tied there which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why are you untying it, say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. I want you to catch the nuances in this, in this passage of Scripture because it is, it is amazing what Jesus does. And as they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? I, I love that. I, I love this passage of Scripture because here's, here's some disciples, we don't even know who they are. We, we're not given their names, but they just go And they do what the Lord asked them to do. And they replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. Here's where I, I really want you to really focus on this passage of Scripture. And as he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. And when they came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles that they had seen. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. See, Jesus needed to fulfill Scripture. Jesus knew in his triumphal entry that in then in Zechariah 9, 9, it said, Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey on a colt, the foal of a donkey. See, Before Jesus ever rode into Jerusalem, it was prophesied that, that Jerusalem's king, that, that, that the king of Israel, was going to ride in on a donkey that had never been ridden. And there's two things in this passage of Scripture that I want to point out to you. One is that Jesus needed a donkey that no one had ever ridden on. The other is he needed to be recognized and worshipped as king. When it says, Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion, shout, daughter of Jerusalem. Now, I want you to look at both of those, and I want to talk about both of them. Both of them were needed to fulfill Scripture. Both of them required obedience. Worship required obedience. Receiving the, the foal of a donkey required obedience. Jesus said, the scripture said that Jesus sent two disciples. Does it tell us what their names are? We're not given that. All we know is two people that were disciples or teacher or students of Jesus. Jesus calls them over and says, I want you to guys to go over here. And you have to understand what, what Jesus is telling them. He said, guys, I want you to go over here to, to Bethany. I want you to go into the town and there's gonna, you're going to find a, a donkey and with a foal. I want you to just untie them and bring them to me. And when they ask you, hey, why are you untying that colt? He said, just tell them the Lord needs it. And they'll let you have it. I'm going to try that at a car dealership tomorrow. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? Hey, the Lord needs this car. He wants me to drive it. So, but you think, look at what these disciples were instructed to do. They were instructed to go into a town where they didn't know people. They were instructed to take a donkey and a foal that did not belong to them. They didn't even know who it belonged to. And, And when they received the donkey and the foal, that they were asked, why are you taking stuff that doesn't belong to you? And their only reply was, hey, the Lord needs it. And they let him go. Now, if you, if you look at some, some of the commentaries on this passage of Scripture, there are some that believe that Jesus uh, had prearranged to receive that cult. Scripture doesn't tell us whether Jesus prearranged or, or didn't prearrange. I, I kind of believe he just kind of did what he did divinely as, as Jesus always did divinely. Because when the, when the apostles needed to pay their, their taxes, Jesus didn't go over and just stick a coin in, that, in a fish's mouth and say, Hey, here's a good fish. Open its mouth and see what's in it. He didn't prearrange somebody to say, hey, go catch this fish and put a a coin in it. Jesus said, just go fish. And when when they went and and were fishing, they opened the mouth and found the coin. A miraculous. Jesus was always able to do the miraculous, the divine. I believe in, in this passage of scripture, we're seeing Jesus fulfilling the will of his father through a miraculous intervention. Now, we don't know how he did it. He could have, he had, could have uh, spoken to them through a dream. He, they, we don't know. The scripture doesn't say, so it's not an, an important detail in this passage of scripture. What is important is Jesus knew that the donkey was there, knew that the foal was there, knew that his disciples, he was going to send his disciples, and his disciples needed to act in obedience. And when they did, It was exactly as the Lord had said it was. It was an amazing event. The disciples obeyed and did as Jesus commanded. Their obedience required trust in Christ. Have you ever noticed a lot of the things that Jesus asks us to do require trust in Him? Jesus doesn't say, okay, come on guys, here's what we're going to do. We're, we're going to, I'm going to ask you to do this. And when you do this, here's the reason, here it's going to ha- this is going to happen. Jesus usually just says, hey, go speak to that person. Or, or why don't you pray for that person? Or why don't you bless that person over there? Or why don't you minister to that need that you're seeing in front of you? And when the Lord begins to speak to us, amazing things happen when we are obedient to the voice of the Lord. Do you realize that, that the great commandment, what is the great commandment? Hero is Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall worship him with all your heart, mind, and strength. You know, when we do that, we're, we're acting in faith and obedience. The great commission, every time that we go out and, and proclaim the gospel, every time we, we make disciples, we are fulfilling the, the word of God. These two disciples, when they went out, I can guarantee you, they did not know that they were fulfilling the Scripture. They didn't look. Well, wow, Jesus is sending us. We must be fulfilling Zechariah nine nine. Wow, what a deal! What a great privilege! They had no clue. I doubt they could even read. But Jesus said, "Just go," and they went. And when they went, and they were obedient to Christ. Christ allowed them the opportunity to be the ones that help fulfill Scripture. Wow! And every time that we have an opportunity and we hear the voice of the Lord speaking to us to to share the gospel, to bless somebody, to speak a word of encouragement, do you realize that you're fulfilling Scripture? To go... And to make disciples. That's what makes it so amazing that God would use us to fulfill His will. <coughs> but obedience requires trust. I'm wondering, I'm wondering, kind of how those disciples felt. They're walking into the town. And they said, "You know, I, I, we've been following Jesus, and we've seen Him do a lot of cool things. And but we're getting ready to steal the donkey." The Bible says you can't can't steal. But that's what they were doing. But when they took it, they found that their trust in the Lord was founded. They found it just as Jesus said. See, our obedience to God in our lives is the difference between success and failure. The easy way or the hard way. You ever have your parents tell you that? Well, we can do this the easy way or we can do this the hard way. I never chose the hard way. <coughs> well, I was going to say intentionally. Uh, the blessings of life uh, of God in our lives come through obedience. Obedience to Him. 1 Samuel 15, Saul's disobedience, when, when he was told to, to destroy everything with Israel's enemies, and, and he had taken all of the choice animals and brought them back, and he had kept the king alive, and Samuel met him, and he, and he says this to him. To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams obedience is better than sacrifice the lord asks of us obedience obedience that's one of the requirements that we have in our life and our walk in relationship with god is simply obedience the lord's will was fulfilled prophecy came to pass because two people decided that they would be obedient To the voice of the Lord and bring and go and get that donkey and bring it back. Every time that you and I are are quick to respond to the voice of the Lord in our life, that we are quick to respond and obey the gospel of Jesus Christ, something amazing happens in us. We are fulfilling the Great Commission, every time we're sharing the gospel, the good news of what Christ has done. Did you ever realize that you are helping fulfill Scripture? Every time we're obedient to Him. It was Saul's disobedience that destroyed his leadership. But obedience always brings blessing. Here's here's where I want to get. Notice in in the passage of Scripture, I'm going to back up, because I I really want you to see this. This is where I wanted you to look at. Scripture says they, the disciples, the two disciples that went and got the donkey and found it exactly the way that Jesus said it was going to happen. They, they trusted in him. They believed in him. They went and stole the donkey. Actually, it's not stealing if God owns everything. So, so, if I, so, if, so if you think about it that way, we can't really steal anything, can we? But they brought it to Jesus. At that point... Had they not fulfilled everything Jesus asked them to do? Jesus said, go get the donkey in the fall and bring him to me. Jesus Jesus told them exactly what he wanted. They went and did and found it exactly the way Jesus said it was going to happen. And they came back. At that point, they brought it to Jesus. Their, Their part of the contract was finished. It was done. They didn't have to do anything else. Their obedience to the Lord. think about this. brought about the second part. When they brought the donkey back, they threw their, col- uh, their cloaks on the colt, and then they put Jesus on it. Their obedience. To what the Lord had asked them to do. And the results of what, what happened and transpired brought about worship in their life. And they willingly took their own coats, put it on, on the donkey, placed Jesus on him, and began to worship him. Worshipped him as king, worshiped him as Messiah. You know, obedience always comes before worship. I never worshiped the Lord until I was obedient and surrendered my heart to Him. And when I found the joy of having my sins forgiven, I worshiped Him. See, worship always follows obedience. These two disciples that, that went and they came back and they, they were obedient and there was something that just welled up within them and they, they were just destined and they were, they, were, they were encouraged within themselves to begin to worship the Lord. See, Christ set the environment, but the disciples chose to worship. God in His divine nature, in His divine character, has decided to create humanity with this thing called free will. And I look at this passage of Scripture, and I see where Jesus set the table... And he, and he brought about the environment for, for those disciples to worship. But the scripture says that Jesus uh, would, didn't make them worship. God will not make you worship. It is a choice that you have to make. Jesus needed those to worship him so he could go into Jerusalem in the triumphal entry. But He did not, and in his divine economy, has chosen to allow people to worship him that will freely worship him. Scripture tells us that God doesn't hear sinners. But if anybody be a worshiper, God hears. You, that doesn't mean we're all, we've all sinned, we're all sinners to, to a degree. That, that just simply means God doesn't hear those that are devoted to sin. What is sin? Sin is disobedience to God. But a worshiper, God hears. Well, how do you become a worshiper? Through obedience. You obey, and then that, that spirit of worship will just well up. In your heart, when when you're obedient to to the gospel and you're forgiven of your sins, you will worship the Lord. When you do what the Lord has asked you to do and, and you fulfill what the Lord has asked you to do, there is a spirit that will rise in you that says, I have to worship God for his goodness and for his greatness. You ever trusted in the Lord? You ever trusted in the Lord to, to provide for you or to provide for, for your family or to provide for, for your, your children or, or for your parents or whoever it may be? And when the Lord provides, do you not worship Him? Because worship comes through obedience. The disciples voluntarily worshipped Jesus. They voluntarily threw their coats on them. Jesus didn't command them to do that. They voluntarily did it. And what is really amazing, when they did it, others began to do it because worship is contagious. You get somebody that really worships God and it's contagious, it starts going to other people. And before long, you have a whole group of, of people that are worshiping God because worship is contagious because when one or two or three people begin to experience the joy of worship other people want the joy of worship. If you really want to transform your family become a worshiper of God. If you want to see your community turned right side up for Christ, become a worshiper of God. If you want to see your nation, to see Christ come in and take over, become a worshiper of God. And the only way that you can become a worshiper is by obeying His Word. By obeying His Word. We became worshipers by obeying the gospel. John nine thirty one. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does His will. Worshippers require obedience. The secret to Christ's triumphal return is simple obedience to what he has asked us to do. What has he asked us to do? To love him and to love our neighbor as ourselves. To fulfill that great commission. What is, what is that great commission? Is it not loving your neighbor as yourself? Is it not allowing the love of God to overwhelm your heart? and reaching out and being obedient i will promise you this if you've ever led anyone to christ notice i didn't say save because we can't save anyone but if you've led someone to christ and they have given their life to him there is not a better feeling in the world to know That somebody's name is written in the Lamb's book of life because of your obedience. Obedience always results in worship. Would you stand with me? Sam, would you please come? There is a blessing. Of obedience for each and every one of us. Naaman was obedient. All he had to do was go down into a muddy river and dunk himself seven times. That must have really hurt his pride. I wouldn't mind a muddy river. Any lake in Florida, I'm going to argue with you about. Can you imagine? What 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 would you do if if the Lord spoke to you today and said, "Hey, all the problems that you're having, that you're facing right now, all you got to do is just like go down to uh, to the lake right out here." And just kind of dunk yourself seven times. Seven times when you come up, it's all resolved. I wonder how many of us would do that. I mean, you know, the 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 uh, prophet of the Lord is—he told Nathan, Nathan or Naaman, "Just go, just go," and all this is all you got to do. Dunk yourself seven times. Do you realize he wasn't going to do it? Because after all, he was the leader of the army of Syria. He wasn't going to go because his pride wasn't going to allow him. He was dying of leprosy, was given the solution, but because of his pride and because it didn't, didn't uh, he didn't comprehend it in his mind. It, you know, because dunking yourself in water cannot get rid of leprosy. Can I tell you there wasn't anything magical about that that water? Not a thing. Not a thing magical in that water. There there wasn't a, a little parasite that 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 came and, you know, or bacteria that came and took away the leprosy. There wasn't. You know, the right amount of chemicals in the water. Uh, You know, when he drank some of the water, it didn't, you know, none of that had anything to do. It was not the water that took away the leprosy, it was the obedience to what God was asking him to do. Can you imagine the joy he had on that seventh time? when he rose out of the water, looked at his skin, and the leprosy was gone. Scripture says he had gratitude. In here, through simple obedience, and that's all the Lord asks of us. Simple, blind obedience. When it doesn't when it doesn't match our understanding, when we look at it and scientifically we can't prove it, when, when it just doesn't compute, when it doesn't register, when you've seen other things that have happened and you say, well, but you know, other people have gone swimming before and they haven't been healed. Why why should I? It's the obedience in our lives. don't know why i'm going in this vein but i I, can i encourage you if there's something that's going on in your life and and you need to act in simple obedience to the lord can i encourage you to do that obedience just be obedient to the lord maybe you have a neighbor or a friend and and you know We have a hard time, as people, we have a hard time sharing the gospel sometimes. I think the real reason is that that we just don't think we're good enough. We don't have the right words. We really understand deep within us that we can't save anybody. Sometimes it's our pride, but I think most of the time it's just a feeling of inferiority that we can't accomplish can I tell you the truth you're right you can't but it's never been about the great commission is not about our ability it's about our obedience obedience brings worship and worship is contagious. Can I ask you today, would you just be obedient to the Lord? If you don't know Him, and you have never really experienced worship in your life, today you can know Him. You can have Him in your life. You, you will know what worship is when your sins have been washed away. When, when they are forgiven, when he pardons you from anything and everything that you've ever done, there, when you know that the Lord of heaven and earth has pardoned you and cleansed you, and it's like you have never done anything wrong, there is a spirit of worship that will come in your heart like no other time. I want the spirit of worship in our lives, and I know today it comes through simple obedience.